All right, welcome to the first episode of Modern Day Wizards. This is a place for people who consider themselves to fit inside the category of a wizard to come and talk about wizardly things. And tonight on the show, we have Radagast, who is a fellow wizard. In fact, he I called myself the Modern Day Wizard, and I discovered him on Minds.com, and he also calls himself a Modern Day Wizard. I think he goes by... Mod Wiz for short. So, uh, welcome, Radagast. Hello. Actually, it's Modern Wizard. Modern Wizard. That's, okay. That, that's what I kind of have pl this played with, and also was part of the name of a a company I had in New York when I was selling essential oils and things. Oh, really? You called it Modern Wizard. That's cool. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the topic for tonight that we had discussed was. Basically, what is a wizard and uh, how does, what role does magic play in their life? So I guess we'll just start with the question, how do you define a wizard? Well, one of the things I want to start off with, what a, from what a, for my experience, um, what a wizard is not. Okay. Because um, that often helps clear, the, you know, if you say what it isn't, then we could, it kind of um, makes things a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not a Disney wizard. It's not a video game. Um, it's not even really Merlin-y. Um, my, my name, for anybody who might recognize its derivation, comes from the works of Tolkien. Um, in Tolkien's work, there were three wizards on, in Middle-earth. Gandalf, Radagast, and Saruman. Um, so there's, I don't, you know, there's a lot of personal, I mean, I, it's not off limits, but it is, you know, I just, I will self edit about how much I really want to ask people to accept or believe. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons why I kind of have the name, I took my username and made made it Mod Wiz. There's almost a self-deprecation allowing, like in other words, to take away the grandiosity that often people will put on Wizard, um, right. and just you know Mod Wiz. You know, it's people call me Moddy, Mod Wiz, Wizzy. And on occasion, they call me Rad. Some <laughs> will actually you know try and uh, get their get their mouth around the word you know Radagast. Mm -hmm. Um. And so there is a sense of um, service to to the the, the vine, and so um, and in my you know in my you know in this earth sense that would be Sophia, you know. So any it's about and it's a it's a kind of a quirky self selection. It, and with any self-selection, you can say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing, but without the confirmation, it doesn't work. Um, and so there's a certain amount of self-definition. Uh, what's what The beautiful thing about the, the when people, if people can presence what Middle Earth um, kind of was like, is that the magic wasn't as much in the wizards as it was in the world. It was, mm. magic was the absolute, was the, Milieu, the medium that everybody lived in. 
Um, a wizard would have been one who might be a little more conversant or participatory or aware of the existing magic around one. So they're um, not different necessarily in, it's not like they have a connection to magic and others don't have a connection. It's more, it's their chosen focused or their, I don't know, predetermined focus, but it, it's not, it's not binary. It's just to a greater degree than everyone else. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, wizard, there isn't the wizard and doing magic is not a big part of it. Um, it is the understanding that they, that they are alive and operating in a magical world. And so it's, I, it's, does it come down to awareness of magic then? Um, I wouldn't phrase it that way. Um, it's a, it's just, it, it, it's, it's almost, imagine a fish knowing it's in water. Mm. I mean, generally fish don't know they're in water, but if a fish did know it was water, it might make it a little different than the other fish. Yeah. Um, it might understand the currents of the water, the resistance of a water, how if you create a whirlpool in the water, uh, you know, you know, there is, in other words, you understand the medium that you actually draw your life and sustenance from. Mm-hmm. And, and then you kind of almost, it's almost like an understanding of the science or the physics of the medium. And how does a wizard gain that understanding? Two things. Um, in my opinion, one is you're born to it. It's why you are what you are. Um, and in certain, and generally you come into this life with that assignment, if we can call it that. Let's put that in quotes and not, you know, and make it a soft kind of a word. Um, but there is a sense of mission to it. And it's really, again, it's service to the divine and a big part of that is the awareness of that divinity that deity okay and um and so i want to take it out of middle earth now and bring it to to gaia um because it is the same it's there's a lot of similarity um in it when in the bigger picture in like so let's say Tolkien's creation story, which they call the Anu Lindale, because the Ainur who were the um, the the aeons. I mean, Ainur and Aeon have a lot. You know, is almost very almost. I mean, you could go like Aeonur, and you'd have Aeon with the U R. So there's yeah. there's a, and I believe my um, sense is that Tolkien didn't. Tolkien didn't really so much write the Lord of the Rings as he received it. Mm. And he will, and he says as much, although he had to be careful, usually you kind of see it in the letters, you know, people, he, you know, now the letters come out and um, he like Jung, you know, Jung had a period where he kind of went, he could have access to this other world that he could mm. interact with. Tolkien had the same experience 
uh, even with uh, elvish words, sometimes you go, oh, where'd you get that? And you go, well, that's the elves gave it to me. Where, where do you think I got it from? And he was serious. Do you see that as uh, the story was imparted on him, but it was still fictional or that he kind of got in touch with a world which exists in some way that's separate from ours? It might be the latter, you know, that he got in touch with the world, but he got in touch. He got in touch. Well, it was a world. It was because he, like he said, he said he learned Elvish from the elves. And he, and he was real, really not pulling people's legs when he said that. I think, um, especially when you like look at some of the unfinished tales that his son did after his death, um, you see Tolkien struggle. And part of it was when he had, when he could access that world, he was getting all kinds of stuff. And then I guess he was trying to make some adjustments because he did have, he did want to produce it in a, in a, like a fiction type of form, a fantasy format. Um, but it was coming from a, a history that he was able to enter into. An old, you know, almost like an alternative history. Okay. And what happened was at one point, just like what happened with Jung, he no longer had access to that world. Hmm. And there's a short story he wrote, uh, Smooten, Wooten, something Wooten and Smith or something. And it's this, the to, this tale is about, I haven't read the tale. I've read a synopsis of it that he, it's about a guy who gets like a magical ring or something or something magical from the fairy folk type of thing. And while he has it, he's able to go and interact with them. And he had, this happens for years. And then he either has to give up the ring to somebody. I think he has to give up the ring to somebody else. And he no longer has that access. In many ways, oh. Tolkien is, in that story is telling us what happened to him. Interesting. So a lot of the work put off, that he had put off for later in life, because he was going to, you know, keep on working on it. He got he hit a wall, because now he could now he either had to work from memory, or make it up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But you can, so that's one of the reasons why he didn't finish a lot of his work is he lost access to where he was getting it. So you were going to tie uh, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings to Gaia. No, please watch the language. I'm not tying any, I'm, I'm, you know, creating connections. Mm -hmm. I'm making kind of a, a little bit of a comparison for because a lot of people will know more about Tolkien than they might about the Sophianic narrative. Although the majority of people are really haven't read the books in, in modern, they've seen the movies, which was uh, quite a deviation in many ways. Mm. You know, it was Hollywooded. And, you know, Hollywood and BS go together. Um, <laughs> or misrepresentation, at least, you know. Yeah. But I, I'm trying. What I, I guess what I'm, I there is a certain um, um, where the where the where from a like in, in, in he Tolkien doesn't call it heaven, and in many ways it resembles almost like a pleroma. There's there's one being of who emanates them. So in, we what they call a, a luvatar, which l- can loosely 
kind of be like the originator, but you know, th- this one kind of has a fatherliness to it. Mm. Um, but this one is very kind and all, and then there's a certain, then I don't want to get too much in, into that because this isn't really a Tolkien discourse. Um, okay. I'd rather, I'd rather riff on the Sophianic narrative and our mother than um, the kind of these uh, analogs, or at least what I see as analogs in a, what has to, will have to be called a work of fiction to be, to, to stay a little grounded and, and not be presumptuous. Okay. Well, I would, I would guess a lot of people who are listening to this have never heard of uh, Gaia or Sophia, at least not in the way that you think about it or, or experience it. Uh, would you be willing to give a quick summary of that? All right. Um, it's, it, it's my understanding. It's how it, it was really, it was co- almost common knowledge, especially in like um, Eurasia, you know, and where people could really uh, get together, like many tribes could get together and their shamans could compare notes. And ultimately a, a body of wisdom developed and the mystery schools developed. Um, you'll, um, so this created a kind of a coherence. And before the original mystery schools, we can still go back deeper into times. I mean, like back like 70,000 years, you see certain kinds of drawings starting to show up on the, like the caves of France and Spain and whatever. Because at this, uh, apparently at this point is when either we discovered or were given the medicine plants that would allow us the visionary states to know the world that we really lived in. Mm. And so that was really how people lived until the new, the new, the desert, the angry desert guy and his people and swords showed up and, um, uh, shut everybody down. And, you know, and you either, you either came along or you're, your story ended. I mean, you know, these, and you're, are you're talking about the Abrahamic God right now, right? The Ab- yes. The Abrahamic movement and, um, and even it's Genesis. I mean, there's no, it's very clear to me that what we pick up like in the old Testament, which is the beginning of official Abrahamic stuff had certainly had an earlier beginning either in Babylon or even back into Samaria. Um, it seems like if at least this is, you know, this is just me riffing a little bit here. So let's not get, well, I don't, you know, need to take it serious. You can just consider it. But there were, um, there was a group in Samaria or Babylon, kind of like with the, the scribes and then you, you know, the priestly class and they were the literate ones and kind of sharing that space with them were the Kings so you had like this king priest class, mm-hmm. and um, apparently they started doing um, what I would consider to be bad magic, or they became aware of what the whole ancient the whole ancient world was aware of this of the creation story. They knew who and what the demiurge was. The mystery schools knew this. The shamans knew this. They knew that he was an un- it was he was an unfortunate fellow. Um, demented, brilliant, and bad shape because his his uh, he had an unfortunate way of coming about. 
And so there was like no real kind of like, oh, he's terrible, he's bad. He's just like, he's demented, leave him alone. You know, he, you know, he kind of strayed outside his boundaries. Now he's poking around, just leave him alone. And apparently, so go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. And so what I can kind of get is that this, this group of priests decided we're getting, you know, rather than ignoring this thing in their shamanic journeys or whatever rituals they were doing, they decided to engage it because it, it gaslighted them said, Oh, I'm this, I'm this. And, and if you accept me, you get this, you know, you get the earth or you'll get this piece of land. I mean, basically, so he was, you know, claiming what he wasn't and offering things that weren't his to give. So there was a, uh, an ancient long time ago, a period of time where the, people generally were aware of a more authentic situation, like the real situation uh, that involved Gaia, Sophia uh, being sort of venerated. And then there was knowledge of the history of that and uh, how uh, someone who you call the Demiurge, which I think you tie to the Abrahamic God, same, same being. uh, There's a group of people who came across this knowledge and said, Hey, well, this is sort of like taboo, but we're going to do it anyways because we get something out of it. And that kind of kicked off the whole thing that we're in right now. Yes. And I mean, now I just kind of spoke of that. The, the more important thing is that the ancient world, um, especially amongst the, the shamans and the adepts, had, this, had our galactic history. So, and everybody, even, you know, just the way you kind of tell kids, you know, Bible stories, well, they told them, at least, at least children grew up with some form of, you know, the, uh, our, you know, there, at one time, the, the goddess that is our, that turned into the earth at one time lived in the center of the galaxy with the other aeons, because that's the kind of what the being is, uh, emanations of the originator. And through an anomaly of a certain yearning on her part, she, the, she broke off and hurtled into our part of um, the third arm of the, you know, the Milky Way spiral. Just kind of short of where Orion is. Orion's a little further out, not much. And um, that's where her, her stream, imagine a plasmic kind of jet stream, you know, a plasmic current. Because that's what they are. I mean, it's, it's all plasma and currents in, in the pleroma. So if some, if an if one of them would would come out, it'd be in a form of plasma or some of the electromagnetic currents. Sometimes you get plasmic currents you um, that are hinted at in the um, um, the Thunderbolts project. You know, the the electric universe. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. but in this case, I'm. I would guess it was probably quite visible. You know, I mean, you know, just like this white organic light plasmic substance that came here. And then ultimately, after, you know, after getting situated, because it wasn't, it was an anomaly for, you know, everything was, none of this was a plan. It happened. And then, and then coping with the anomaly becomes part of the story. And um, part of her yearning into the outer arms was the plight of the anthrop- the anthropine or you know human like species, which had arisen all through the galaxy, and they had come and gone. It was all you know. So there was they were, and the it's a it's an experiment when you put the they put life out, not to command it to see what happens. 
because they put all their, you know, all their good stuff, including their life spark and kind of spread it across the arms of the universe. And it would settle on planets and planets that would allow life to unfold. Um, life would unfold. And if maybe it can only support amoebic life, then that's what would unfold. But it, in an ideal environment, we show up something like us, an anthropine species. And um, so anyway, so she's out there. So she becomes the planet. She turns herself into the earth. Um, the sun was already there. They, she created a bond with the sun. Uh, and then I, the moon comes into it. And then as she's forming, the Demiurge and the seven archons that it emanate, you know, kind of created from itself. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's angelic mafia, we'll call it. Um, they formed the planets. They kind of entrapped her in this very clockwise, uh, the solar system. And it was, they created the solar system to, in my kind of basically ensnare Gaia. So the rest of the planets, except for Earth and its moon, and the Sun, right? Yeah, all yeah. This obviously, right? And um, so that yeah, so that kind of thing, that that kind of. Entrapment is in, in a way of putting it, and 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 but a lot of that is now shifting because now Sophia has awakened, she's mm. you know now in correction, and her correction will involve the, the solar system. Um, so, you would say that the kind of astrology, how we're considering the effects of Mars and Venus and all that type of stuff, they have a certain level of effect, those were. That was all put into place by the Demiurge to kind of cause a little bit of chaos in the system. But now, because of what Gaia or Sophia is doing, that's going to have less of an effect. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes. And according to the Gnostic teacher, John Lash, who is not just a teacher. I mean, part of planetary tantra, part of being um, a Gnostic is that you are you commune this is this is a this is a, you live in real time with your creator this isn't about books you know there's no you know i mean you know, you know there's books you know where you know obviously there's not in this image but the um other the narrative isn't isn't really a set of like come with any instructions and now the basic part of the narrative is to instruct you how to connect with her by no first of all knowing she's here kind of the conditions that arose knowing kind of knowing what's going on in our part of the galaxy in our solar system and one and from and that narrative allows you to connect with her and once you connect with her that's kind of where you that's where you get your intel that's where you get your instruction it doesn't you know the instruction the books instruct you how to get in touch with your instructor your creator okay so, basically, Gnosticism or uh, being a Gnostic or having Gnosis is about direct experience and knowing through that. Yes. And learning about it by reading like books and stuff like that helps you create a frame of mind where it's easier for you to have those experiences because you're thinking about it closer to the way that it is 
but the actual experience and the understanding that comes out of that is the primary goal. Yes. Um, part you, it's almost like it's kind of part the whole part of the books is we've been largely indoctrinated since we could understand words about the, uh, a cosmology, our, our, you know, how, how we got here, who's God creation stories. There's all of that. So, in many ways, what, what, with the Sophianic narrative, you could stop looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's one of the most important things is uh, you might sense something, and everybody kind of senses Mother Nature. The Sophianic narrative, um, you know, the fallen goddess scenario, allows you to, to kind of have another mythos, a story, a narrative to to stand, you know, to, as a comparison minimally with the, basically the Abrahamic creation story, which is the dominant one. Mm-hmm. And sort of a master and slave type situation, as opposed to, I don't know, how would you characterize the, uh, the Gaia as in comparison to that? Uh, mother and children, but you know, children that also grow up to be adults. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, the, the, the old, I mean, bringing up the children is fun, but I want, you know, as like my, my son is now 21. He doesn't need to talk to me as much. He's doing well. That is now I'm starting, you know, now it's getting very enjoyable that he's an adult. Mm. It's, you know, cause it's at an adult that we really start to have our own agency in the, you know, in the world and on the planet. So similarly, although we are her, quote unquote, her children, you know, this isn't about being babied. You know, she didn't create babies. She created robust, wise, playful, and if necessary, necessary, because self-preservation is necessary, deadly, like all the animals. Um, You know, anybody, you know, how many people have thought, oh, look how cute the raccoon is. And, you know, rat, raccoon, you know, raccoon is wild. Um, now, they can be a little more, you know, picky. Um, but we are, her, we are her children, but I don't want the child part. You know, we're, you know, children grow up. So I like, you know, we're her children, but we're adults. So she's not looking for people to be subservient, and she doesn't want people who are... Uh, uh, totally dependent on her for like all of their growth or nu- nutrition, spiritual nutrition or whatever. No, cause we're family. We're doing, this is our planet. She turned to a planet. This is our planet. You really don't need a piece of paper to pull a fish out of a pond on her planet in the demiurgist world. <laughs> you do. Yeah. So that's the other thing. There's a planet, there's Gaia, and then there's the world. Mm-hmm. And that's why very often in a lot of the Gnostic teachings that you'll hear about the wor- you know, how ho- the world is horrible. They're talking about the world, not the planet. Real different. Like I said, you know, you c- there are on the planet there are no rules. We have agreements with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could basically it's really the way, the Tao. In other words, there's a way of doing things. There's, a, you know, there's a, a path. Um, would you, 
Would you say that there is a a strict morality which can be followed to the letter each time, or is it more of a situational thing in what you're describing? Like you could you could use the thing always do what you would want someone to do to you, right? The golden rule, but that's a very strict rule. Do you feel like that rule is something that could be carried over to every situation, or is it more vague than that? I, I the golden rule. I first of all, I don't, I'm not into it. Rules, anything that binds like that, that um, is, you know, you can, if that's what you want, have it. But it's not how we were created. It's not, it's not her vision for us. Um, we're, in many ways, we're kind of extensions of her. That's why we have that kind of divine spark and that, that consciousness and I mean, ideally, I mean, for me, it's almost as like, the, you know, like the aeons and especially in our case, the aeon Sophia that we live with and has turned herself into the planet we live on. Um, I mean, like I have some roses I'm waiting to come up, you know, this one group of roses have a great scent. So, uh, so the, for like, my, you know, our mother created these things and with well, the nature spirits and I mean there's a lot of stuff you know there's 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 a lot of players at many levels and we're and the whole thing is playing and creating and being imaginative and working with, with each other and um and creating networks and coherence and greater connectivity that all is all connected in into one but the uh, and the, but it's power sharing hmm. because it, you know it's 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 what's natural. I mean, we're kind of being returned to the, the what what we all really know in our hearts, um, and that's you know because that's where for me when I am communing. I actually think of my heart, my heart chakra. Um, that is where, like, almost like where my microphone and, and speaker is for her. Do you think that's the same for everybody who has a genuine uh, interaction with her, or do you think it could vary? I mean, I don't That That's a question I don't really want to get myself committed to for i mean it just the heart wisdom is in the heart sophia means wisdom i mean that i mean that's the one of the things that i like to presence is although in many ways it seems like a um you know like a, a proper name you know but it's a quality wisdom was the quality the being the aeon that was emanated from the originator and there was the whole, the very essence of what wisdom is, which I believe includes both compassion and agape, the all love, the you know, not not eros, philos, which are subcategories of them and have their own place and necessity. But wisdom, you know, I, I feel that the only place that wisdom happens is within the heart. That's where things settle down. Um, and f find the calm between the percolation of the of the lower chakras and sometimes the, almost the overstimulation of the upper chakras unless you have that wisdom 
for interpreting what's coming up and what's coming in. So uh, intellect is different than wisdom, you would say. Would you say the intellect does play a role in wisdom or are they separate it's, from each other? It's, no, it's really quite quiet. But intellect, intellect, I mean, I, the chakra system to me is a, a, a part of what is like, you know, Wizard 101 stuff, um, where we need to understand where the seats of consciousness that become the, you know, our whole consciousness. And again, I'm speaking from my, this is, this is me speaking. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, when I'm speaking about Sophia per se, I want to be really true to the narrative because uh, it, it's, it is required. There, 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 it has to be really clear. Like when I'm speaking about the narrative as it was given, and it was given in a way because that is the narrative that will allow you to connect. Now you can maybe get creative, but the narrative has to be kept because it was given in the syntax and the form from her to John. And I, I mean, this is, I have my own gnosis and confirmation that this is the deal. I mean, I, it was given, it was delivered to me like, you know, you're, you're wor- if you're working with me, you need to know this too. Mm. So this uh, Gaia came up in the context of kind of defining what magic is. So how do you, what is magic in this framework? Like how does someone know they're experiencing it or seeing it or using it? <laughs> You know, that's your gnosis. Um, and, but you also, but you got, you're kind of, you, ha, you maintain a, a, a vigilance on yourself because we're given the gift of imagination. And sometimes, sometimes we might think is a delivery might be part delivery and part imagination expanding. And imagination is good because we can always, we can just play with it until we unpack it, right? Reassemble it. And then we, have um, what is, you know, our gnosis, true gnosis, true connection mm-hmm. from the earth goddess. And then is, but the kind of negative polarity of imagination is fantasy, where you were just, you're not imagining it, you're making shit up. Um, and, some, and a lot of that fantasy often comes from emotional needs. So you start creating through a kind of like this fantasy imagination, the things that make you feel good. So how does someone tell the difference between the two? It sounds like you have some sort of practice. Is that how you do it? Yeah, you gotta have to, you gotta have a practice. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's, it's who we are. And we all had it. Why do, you th- why do you think when the new people came around, they had to forbid? The two things they forbid, basically. Magic and, and all kinds of rules about sex. Magic, not at all. The priests can do it. Common people, you'll die. They'll kill you. Don't even think about doing magic. All right? And then when it came to sex, another completely natural thing to any animal. You know, we, we happen to be animals. Um, that got 
you know, it, you know, you had to do this, you had to do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, this is bad, you know, all that crap, all of that baggage, all of that hang up, all of that repressed natural energy that then expresses itself. Let's go kill the pagans. Um, so would you would you say that a wizard can a person be a wizard and not not be aligned with the sophianic narrative yeah i mean most i would and that's why for me the the, the wizard thing because i that this is something that happened at 17 that it, that it seemed like i was going to take this path and the name even came to me. Now, my mother is the one who introduced me to Lord of the Rings. And um, when I told her I'm changing my name to Radagast, my mother being a Leo, said, well, why don't you pick Gandalf? Gandalf is the, you know, you know, Radagast is like scruffy in the woods. You know, Gandalf, you know, because, you know, Leo, is, <laughs> you know, Leo will go for Gandalf in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um and I just said, because I'm, and I said to my mother, because I'm Radagast, I'm not Gandalf. For good reason. <laughs> um, and I don't want to get, because I, re- for me, it is, I, re- anytime I get a chance to talk about our mother and our, where we are and, um, and to the, the, the Gnostic teacher, John Lash, who got, the, her termer, her hidden treasure, you know, this, the, the narrative. Um, I, cause people like the kind of shiny thing. So like, in other words, they might be more interested in me talking about Tolkien wizards than about the planet, our mother and who we are and, and how we need to connect or we will continue to live with this nightmare that has come from this pathetic, demented, jealous entity, and the fact that and that and and the enforcement of its worldview by sword. Mm. I mean, really, the 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 it was spread by sword. It wasn't like people were clamoring to adopt this new way this thing that forbade them from doing what they've been doing all their life versus magic having, you know, where the only consequence of, of sex might be a jealous spouse, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it was a natural real consequence, you know, there, you know, there might be things, you know, it, again, sexuality can pretty powerful energy and, but the consequences of, let's say indiscreet, what, what might be considered indiscreet was decided amongst us. Not some thing that wasn't even getting laid anyway, which is probably <laughs> probably <laughs> <pissed out>. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you 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 say that there the world is in a pretty shitty situation at the moment, and I think I would agree with you. And I don't think we need to go so much into the details. Um, I get the impression. I mean, there of course humans maybe could do something about it. But I get the impression you believe Sophia is doing something now. And I want to understand better what you see that as and uh, what you think the long-term outlook of that is. Well, she needs to gather us to her because this is, she's doing what she can, but there's a certain amount that, you know, we kind of got to handle. I mean, 
we, you know, we, the infection on the planet is in humans. In other words, the, the Demiurge would have no agency on this planet other than, you know, maybe, you know, the, the uh, astrological fuckeries, you know, and what those, but as far as like, you know, interrupting, really getting in the way, the only way it got in the way was because humans hooked up with it and picked up weapons and were more than willing to kill anybody who wasn't on board. Right. But it really, that, that true, that real murderous, absolutely, you know, like beyond all horrors is largely the province of, of, the, of the Catholic Church or Christianity. Mm. Because although the Hebrews, you know, they had their land contract with the, with the Demiurge, but once they got settled, they were content. They didn't mix with other tribes, which meant the infection was contained. You know, there was no outbreading. So that meant, so, so, and when that first showed up, they went, oh boy, somebody went and did it. And then when the dust said like, oh, well, it looks like they're going to have to stay there. All right. You know, that, you know, cause this was a live or let live. We were not, weren't, you know, it's just like, imagine any, you know, you might have an animal and the animal groups, like, you know, even wolves, you know, like make another pack of wolves is like, well, you know, if you stay in your own, stay in your own thing and, you know, do what you want in your forest, we got our forest, you know. Um, but it was, it was when, it was when the infection reached Imperial Rome and then Imperial Rome and its armies suddenly became the enforcers for the Demiurge. Hmm. That's when it really started going to hell quite literally hmm. hell on earth so what what is there you say that uh while sophia may be acting to mitigate the situation i imagine you know quite a bit quite a bit she's uh willing to go to certain lengths and maybe some of those lengths will not see us surviving it but i imagine that she would want us to survive it uh and seems like what you're saying is that we would need to play a part in that if that's going to be the case. Yes, we, uh, you know, we we need to play kind of like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. We got some bad, we got some bad ones here. Um, they got to go. <laughs> I'm I'm interested to know how how exactly they go. Like, what is what are the actions that we should take? You know, something that is, um, I could. I like to keep that a little bit amongst the Gnostics myself okay. because it's there because they're the ones who, who know what needs to be done. They're the ones who are with our mother. And so, you know, I mean, it's there, the numbers are growing. They, you know, they, people are hearing of it and then when they play with it and then they start, they go and they realize there's a there, there. She's there. Um, and once, and, and so we're actually kind of forming a body. And like, and like anybody, um, like any organism, there has to be an immune system, especially when there's an infection, you know, with, you know, so, um, 
let's just say, you know, an immune system is now forming. And um, since we, and it will be magical. In other words, this is going to be her magic, her ways, um, and we, but we need to get involved um, and, and in many ways direct it. So sounds like in order to understand what role we play in this, uh, someone would need to first become more familiar with the uh, the guy. What do you call it? Uh, Sophian narrative, or I forget. Sophianic narrative. Sophianic narrative, and uh, and then to also have gnost, a gnost, gnostic experience, gnosis, gnosis themselves. So that sounds like a two parter. So. What, where would you direct someone who wanted to kind of quickly get ramped up on the situation in preparation for practices leading to Gnosis? I would go to metahistory.org and look, and look for the fallen goddess scenario or Sophianic narrative. Uh, they're kind of basically the same story. Um, and, and, and that's your first Gnosis, that she is there. Like, in other words, once you get this narrative and you go looking, you find out, oh, oh, oh. And one, that's your, to me, that's Gnosis one, knowing who you are, who she is, and the connection, and, and all the things that, as you were reading, you know, were kind of like, you know, you're, you're holding in your mind, once, once you experience it, that's what gnosis is. It's an experience that becomes your gnosis, a kind of knowledge with the experience. Like, I don't believe in Sophia. Mm. Sophia is not a belief. She's, she's the planet and the consciousness. She's the planetary animal mother. She's the planetary sovereign intelligence. Um, she's our, you know, she's our mother. She's, um, the earth goddess, but most importantly, she is wisdom. And we, and what the whole purpose of, of even of the concept of pursuit of knowledge, knowledge is a, a building block of wisdom. We don't, you, you, you want wisdom because wisdom will inform how to conduct yourself. Hmm. So intellect or, or knowledge is the can be the structure of a say like a building, but wisdom is what is actually in the space that the building is creating, that the structure is creating. Yes, because it, it, it's your intellect that will that used correctly will take you to wisdom. Mm. You know, it's even from the chakra you have your you know survival chakra, feeling chakra, intellect chakra, wisdom chakra, which is the heart. Mm. And so you kind of, you know, you start out kind of like, you know, experimenting with a map, which you're kind of in many ways using your intellect to navigate. And, but it is, but it, it is through going, you know, some people can do it like if they're coming from a system, which will go use, use a system, you know, right off, you know, if you've been praying, well, pray, but pray, pray to the, you know, go into the earth now. You know, and, and, and take and remove the testicles um, and the beard. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and also know that you are loved and are being, you're waited for. Mm. You showing up is, 
us showing up is one of her, to my experience, one of the greatest joys right now. I mean, so imagine old- you just left your mother. Imagine your, you know, your mother raised you. She did all, she did everything of, you know, that you, why you're even in existence. And then you just kind of blow off and, you know, go hang out with some guy and call him father. You know, didn't no genetics, nothing. You know, but you know, it's like, and he just totally replaces mother, and you, you just completely forget about it. You don't even give a call, nothing. Matter of fact, you, mother, who? Nah, never heard right. of her. You know, but the so, line of, the line of communication is still open. Her phone's on. She has the same number. She's waiting for your call. Is what you're saying? Yeah. And the Sophianic narrative for me is the premier. I'm not going to say it's the only way, because again, if you go poking around in your subconscious, and if you're going, if you're looking for love in all the right places, she will, she will let you find her. She wants you to find her. Mm-hmm. It's part of getting this planet, getting Gaia right again. And, and then at some point being free to bring back a world that is on, you know, that is an outgrowth of the planetary consciousness and our, and us with the hands to do it. I mean, you know, she's got nature. She, I mean, look quite a bit of, quite a bit got done without a single finger or a hand around, but now that the hands are around and the imagination and the ability for us with our own five senses to look at what clouds look like from being on the earth, you know, the beautiful blue, the beautiful whites, the breeze on your face, um, going in, you know, into a stream and feeling the water, feeling rain fall on you, the scent of a rose, the scent of a gardenia, fresh, you know, cut grass. I mean, the sensuousness of, our, of, of what this is. I mean, this we're meant to have a profoundly sensual experience and and i feel part of that is because the there's that divine spark that we all know is there can now get go into its own creations and you know just imagine a sapphire in nature spirit create this beautiful smelling rose it's really nice to have a a, a nose that can actually apprehend that scent and share it back because we're, you know, it's, we're there, but she's right there with us. And we, so we, everything becomes this act of where we're, we do things together. It's really a beautiful experience. And it, and the, the beauty of the experience only occasionally gets, or more, sometimes more than occasionally gets interrupted by the world mm-hmm. and the, how rampant the infection is in in so so much of the psychology of of this of the human species of the anthropos. So, sounds like the two steps are metahistory.org, good place to start. The fallen goddess narrative, I think, is a a link on that site or something like that. Yes. Uh, so, becoming familiar with that, and then uh, I think you recommended basically prayer, but directing the prayer to the earth. I yeah well I use the word prayer because that's a modality that many people are already working with. I wouldn't say that what I do is prayer. Mm. I commune. Mm. I try to commune in 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 us you know creating a quick little ritual space. I 
will usually have some kind of connection with, with my hand or hands at my heart chakra. Because again, from, you know, in many ways, I am speaking into my heart and listening from my heart. I'm speaking from my heart and listening from my heart. Um, that is what works for me. And like when I like, you know, a lot of, I do it sometimes during the day, but usually as I go to bed, you know, that's when I, because that's when I've gotten some of my most amazing experiences. And it's, you know, it's, it's basically, you, you know, you turn inward and also towards the earth. And it's just like, you know, whatever, there's so many, I mean, and that's the other thing, you know, whether you call her Vajra Velasi, Sophia, you know, uh, mother, mom, or what, and it's just allow yourself not to be formal. This is your mother. Mm. Mm. She loves you. She adores you. So, you know, don't get too formal. She, I mean, I remember one time uh, just when, as during a kind of like a special uh, thing I wanted to do and I got a little formal and I, I could just like, I feel like, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's uh, very relaxed. It's real. Mm. All of this, you know, piety, righteousness, blah, 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 that's, that's it. That's all that stick up the ass stuff. Okay. You can be, you can do all of the correct things and, you know, the kind of, you know, within like kind of a, what we could, what people call the golden rule. It's kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, you know, do you actually need a rule do onto others as you would have them do onto you? I mean, it's like, kind of like a, an equation that should just be there. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's just stating uh, the morality whatever that whatever that is which what which is in us which generates that knowing in each unique situation saying do unto others as you want to do on yourself is basically a way to try and solidify that or represent it but it isn't the thing itself so don't get distracted by it mm -hmm. i mean if, if in and i like the concept i mean just to get so we don't have rules i mean here's a here's a classic example the laws of physics. There are no fucking laws. <laughs> what, this, what science has done is observe the behavior of particles and, you know, masses. It's the way, basically, it's the Tao of physics. In other words, it's how, it's how physics behaves. It's you're observing it, you know, it's, you know, it's almost like observing fish and then you see them doing the same thing and over and over again, you go, okay, the first rule of fish is. <laughs> right. There's the know, tendency in the behavior of fish, but it, it's not, it's not going to happen according to a law. It's not, the fish to, isn't necessarily going to do the thing, which your law has said right. it's going it's to do. Doing it because that's what fish do in this situation. You know, like the law is the thermal, that's what, that's what that's the law of thermodynamics is largely homeostasis, which is kind of like the primary setting. You know, the yin yang is one visual for one visual for um, understanding homeostasis. But our own body, you know, if you get hot, you sweat. You know, you shiver, you get cold, you shiver, so your muscles generate heat. It's about homeostasis. Um, if you drink too much water and your blood gets too thin, your kidneys filter it out. And, and you pee it out. If you don't have enough, your, 
your your kidneys hold on to as much as it can. Mm. You see it in weather. You have a high pressure and a low pressure. So when they get near it, they do their best to equal out. And when they first meet, the high pressure rushes into the low and until an equilibrium part starts to fall out. And then, and again, a, this isn't a static equilibrium. Homeostasis, I mean, imagine somebody uh, walking a tightrope. They don't stand straight upright. It's a little of this, a little of that. You know, it's, but the ultimate thing is it um, amounts to as if they were upright going across, even though when you look at it, it's almost like watching a sine wave where the tightrope would be like, you know, like uh, the middle line and then a sine wave is going like this. Well, that's a form of homeostasis, almost in sound of sorts. Um, so, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, to me, it's about the homeostasis and what is regarding, I don't, you know, I don't, the reason I don't want to make too much of the Tao, because I don't, not that I have a problem with, with what is in the Tao De Ching, I have a real problem with Taoism, you know, or ists and isms. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you'll notice, I almost never use the word Gnosticism because of the word ism, mm-hmm. but as, but. That's because uh, it, it, and certain because isms are kind of like umbre- can be umbrellas or big tents, you know. So like you know, you you have an ism and you have all these people in there, and they're kind of like you know, yeah, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a communist, okay. And it, and it's like, well, all right, well, tell me the communist manifesto. No, I'm a com, you know, like they don't, they, you know, anybody can join in in an ist or an, as as an ist into an ism, but and all and so for. For like, kind of like for now, I I personally shy away from Gnosticism only because of it provides kind of a cover for people who I think are, are a little bit um, going with a trend. Oh, is Gnostic cool now? I'm a Gnostic. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about Gnosticism. I'm woke as fuck. You know, <laughs> you know Gnosticism means I'm woke, right? Yeah. Mm. So, but. As we become, as the Gnostic uh, rising becomes real and we actually become a unit and, and you know, we, we, there's like a coherence and we become an organism because that's, you know, to me, that's really where the, you know, organism. And so you have all these other isms are the fictions of an organism. Okay, so again, the the whole demiurgic, the whole archontic world is about pretending, mimicry, fakery, inversion, mirrors. You know, so, um, so, so, so you know, thing, you know, capitalism, communism, all these isms are fake organisms. You know, they're they're a mockery of what an organism is, which is a contained unit of much material within a medium that is coordinated, has kind of like a boundary called the membrane, which is semi-permeable, which allows some, you know, in, in and out, but the, it, when, uh, with a proper immune system, what goes out is what works for homeostasis and what comes in is what works for homeostasis. You know, it's like, in other words, there's an immune guard at the door. Mm. So there, all these other isms are sort of fake organisms and they are hollow in a way because they lack wisdom. Would, is that, would you say that's right? They lack legitimacy. They're fictions. 
They're pretenders. They're pretending to be something like an organism, and it's nothing but a contrivance of control. It's a corralling. And, you know, in, in other words, in an organism, your membrane, like, like an amoeba, that is your natural boundary. In the, in, in, in the, you know, the, in the pretending of trying to be like an organism, you have walls, you have containment, but it's containment, it, you know, it's containment by a source that wants to gather and then contain rather than an organism that forms. And once it forms, it now has some coherence form and is in fact an organism. And so what I'm trying to say is I, although temporarily I, I, I personally don't like the word Gnosticism, I'm starting to warm to it only because as we become real, as we're starting to now become a real organism and we know who we are, then that now the word Gnosticism is no longer this tent that just, you know, some, you know, woke person, you know, is just deciding, oh, yeah, I heard it's not really cool to be aligned with Demiurge. I heard it's really, so I hear Sophia's cool, man, you know, so I'm totally, I'm agnostic, I'm into Gnosticism and, you know, whatever. Uh, and that's, you know, I'm the, so I, but that's kind of, that could be me being a little aspy, obsessive. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm now, I'm, I, I'm now seeing a real community, which is an organism. A community is an organism. So I'm now starting to warm to that Gnosticism is will now actually be an organism, a community, and it is it, it's real. And the parts know themselves. They know wh- what they're, how they connect, and there's a certain amount of self selection. You know, you've got the ribosomes and the plasmic reticulum, and you know the mitochondria. You know, you you, and but they all kind of came out of this one thing that now we you know as as we become coherent and come into our own and become closer to something that can express the wisdom and then the intent of that wisdom. Intent plays very highly in there because the aeons come as pairings or syzygies as they're called. And um, Sophia does, you know, as it's all androgynous, but it's androgynous with, you know, a leaning in a way, you know. So, I mean, go, I mean, when you go into your, at the moment, I, I kind of go into not being so much in my body. I'm androgynous. I don't really think about being a male when I'm journeying. Um, coming to my body, well, you know, <laughs> all kinds of clues, mm-hmm. including crossing my legs. Um, so you see, you see uh, Sophia as being androgynous, but at the same time having qualities of feminine energy. When, she is. No, when it's, you're, feminine, it, it's, it's, this, it's this thing where... Where we have, you know, we have to get in, into our, into our, to be in tandem. It's a right, left brain thing. Mm. You're holding these things in parallel. And in parallel, they, pro- they produce kind of like a third image. That's the synthesis of them. So she is, she's mama. She's our mother. 
but she's, you know, there's an androgyny there. And so anyway, her androgynous male counterpart is felite, which largely comes off the word of intent, intention, intended. And I, and I, I in my own considerations of the syzygy says, yeah, I mean, who would, who would want intent or will without wisdom? Mm. No, and but also with city with wisdom you know, again in certain ways as a this kind of yinish because you know the you know the female you know it's kind of a quality, but it, then that quality wants an action, you know the 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 performance of wisdom in you know in the world you know on mm. earth, and so so that action is wise intent or intent informed by wisdom Mm -hmm. this is my saying i you know um i'm doing my best to uh represent the right now i will all i want i mean i want to share but if there's if anybody goes that's kind of confusing then please go um go to go to metahistory.org and get it from the the one who was intended to give it to us. Hmm. And, and John Lash, that's his website. Yes. And then also on Gaiaspora.org, there you can go to uh, GNE audio. There's audio files, MP3s. And I was, I spent, I guess I listened to four or five of them last night and they run about an hour, an hour and 12 minutes each. And, um, it was just brilliant because some of them I had heard before because I was part of the guy in navigation experiment, but that's back in 2012, you know, 13, 14, that, that time period. Um, a lot has happened to me. My experience has only deepened. And then also because of a, an experience I had very recently about who John Lash is as told to me by our mother or and not everything, what was important. Again, it was like kind of a short thing, but it helped me get on track about who he is. So, you know, like put me like, who, you know, who is this man that I have all reverence and I call it te- my teacher. But I, 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 I got, I got a lot more. And so that, and that, get, and what I got was a lot more confidence about especially, you know, what he has to say and the care I was all, you know, the, the amount of care he puts into what he says, you know, it's, um, and yeah, so, but Gaiaspora.org, there's two things, there's a GNE audio tapes and then there's interviews and they're two separate tabs mm-hmm. and the interviews are, prob- are probably where people I would think would start because he's talking you know, he's being interviewed or having conversations with multiple people. And, and usually um, anybody he sits with once, he'll sit with sometimes two and three or four times because there is to be continued because there's so much to deliver. And if he connects with somebody, if somebody, you know, manages to, uh, you know, allow him to sit in his space and not make it about them, which some mm-hmm. interviewers try to do, then he comes back. And so I would recommend Gaia Spora, you know, G-A-I-A-S-P-O-R-A, one word, dot org. And okay, look, so I'll put, 
and look for JLL interviews on the homepage and just pick one. Look at a topic that sounds interesting and, and just experience this experience the story because the whole purpose of John with John, what John is doing is to give us the narrative to bring us back to mother that I mean even I mean we have to come through our personalities you know and our personalities are our own gifts so he has his own way but let me it is not it is not about John Lash mmm even, All right. So, if someone wants, I just ahead. want to say, it is, it you know, he, what he's doing is not about him. And what was interesting about my little demonstration is, no, it isn't. But he's the man. Okay, yeah. it's not about him. The but he is the man. He is the teacher. He is being. He was given the goods and has made the connection that allows him to give us what, what, what she wants him to give us. This is her and that she, he, he, and this, he was the intended. He was born the same year as the Nakamati texts were found. Hmm. Um, and those, those are some old Gnostic texts. Uh, some of the old gospels that, that people didn't know about came out of it. Is that what the Nagamati is? Yes, the Nagam. Let's let's try not to use words like gospels. That's something Elaine Pagels did to it because she was a Christian. Okay. Um, the the Nagamati texts are, um, you know, texts that kind of come from Coptic Egypt. You know, like second, third century, first century AD, maybe. You know, but that's kind of like seems when they were written. And um, it's a. I like the word, and John is using the word, it's a hot mess. Because there's all kinds of, of I mean, you can, like the, uh, if I recall, the Pistis Sophia, the first kind of two main tracks of, I would consider really very much a Gnostic thought. And then around the third installation, now we start getting a little malish and we start getting into the rings of like, you know, the dimensions. I mean, it starts getting Baroque and Archontic. Um, it starts, you know, and it's, it's kind of like you, the, the Judeo Christianity meets the Gnostics and tries to make a salad from it. Gotcha. So, you know, so there's some real Gnostic lettuce and, you know, and, and, um, and olives and you know, I'm just picking on stuff. But if you don't know what the what the Sophianic part of what's in there, you will not you you will get lost. Mm. Um, and it was and that was the first thing that you know John was born. They were there, and he had his own. He's been you know through a lot of things before he he was finally directed. And then began what would become his his life's work, and you know we're now decades down that road of his. And um, yeah, um, but yeah, I'm going to leave it there because I don't. I, I just okay. you know, I I I I have so much respect for her, you know, her her John Lash, and of course our mother. And um, I don't want, you know, I don't want to get too sloppy with it because it wouldn't be my, it, it, 
it might be my, you know, me getting all aspy and, and because I'm so excited, I just kind of gush and I might not be as concise. And I'm aware that of that. Sense. That's why I'm saying, you know, if, if, if I kind of interested you, I want you to go to the source. Right. So I'll put links to metahistory.org and um, what was the other site again? It was uh, Gaia Sporo. Sporo. That's yeah. right. Okay. And then, and let's say someone wants to uh, see more of the stuff that you're doing. You want to talk about that a little bit? Okay. I have um, a YouTube channel, ModWiz125. I tried to get away with just playing ModWiz, but no, you know, we already have a ModWiz. Okay. So I picked numbers that were significant. I happened to, you know, in numerology, I'm on an eight birth path, one, two, five, that's up to eight. It has some other significances, but, you know, uh, I, there are certain things I keep private. Um, so ModWiz125 is my YouTube channel, and um, I'm doing some stuff on some music, but every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time, I do a live stream that usually runs about two hours. And the name on of the, the, the live stream is Can't You Hear Me Gnostic? A little riffing on a Rolling Stone song. Um, <laughs> you know, just being playful. Just trying to, you know, be, be you know, playful, origin, original, um, and but still get, getting to the point. So Can't You Hear Me Gnostic is like I'm going to be talking agnostic themes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Gnostic? And for other Gnostics, you know, you know, can you hear me? You know, and that's, and fortunately, originally it was kind of like um, the people who knew me through other online things, like Moose does a lot. So a lot of a lot of the people who originally were listening to Moose and his live streams started coming in. You know, was kind of my starter crowd. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, some 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 students, other students of John Lash have suddenly started becoming regulars in the past couple of weeks to, to the live stream. And that has been just amazing because they bring, they bring what with the gnosis that they have at the time and they're kind. I mean, people are in there asking questions and rather than me have to answer every question. I now have people who can give these people the answers because we're all going to basically give the same answer because it's um because we got it from our mother, we might have started with John, but we confirm it. The mother will confirm that what we have is what we're supposed to have. And All a lot right. of so people- confirmation you get, you might get some extras, but those are for you. Hmm. So you have a YouTube channel, Modwiz One Two Five, and you have a weekly live show. But also you do, and that's on Monday evenings. And then you you also do other videos about your uh, kind of interest in music and stuff. Like I know you make amps and stuff like that. Well, I'm working on making amps. I um, I really there's uh, you know I use speakers and there's one there's only one speaker you know maker that's you know easy accept that actually hand makes their speakers. Matter of fact, you order them when you mm. see a speaker you like this like you know certain amount of, you can this many watts or this many watts this all this homage um in certain cases most of them are, most of them are paper but now they have a lot more hemp cones and i'm a i'm a big believer in the hemp cone because paper reproduces hemp sings hemp has longer fibers 
So rather than for me, you know, rather than just kind of getting the the signal, uh, the you know, the, the acoustic information that it reproduces, hemp reproduces, but it sings along while it's reproducing. Sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing videos about you exploring this type of stuff. And if anyone is interested in kind of the mechanics or behind the like electronics and stuff like that in music and how that all works, like that's the type of stuff that you're planning to be exploring. Yes, I, I'm right now. I'm still undertaking my own education of, you know, being able to look at a schematic and follow the signal trail. And, and electricity is an amazing medium to work with because it holds information. I mean, when I'm studying, you know, you, when here I am studying, you know, how does an amp circuit work and how do you do tone circuits and where do you use resistors and capacitors? And when you start seeing the theory behind signal and sound shaping by using, you know, these resistors and capacitors, you're realizing that it would be impossible for any of this to work if electricity wasn't alive and had a memory and was playing, was working with you. So you're kind of like these things that we're doing are kind of like our way of talking to the electricity. If I put a resistor here and this kind of capacitor here, I'm telling the electricity what not to do. Now from our thing is, well, it limits how many high frequencies can go in there and dims the wattage, whatever. Okay. Yeah, that is what they do. But basically it's the way I, the way the signal goes, it's, I mean, even the fact that the signal goes this and you can put something off on the side and almost like it goes to the side and then it goes, I mean, it's like, no, 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 you, this is intelligence. almost like we place it there and it goes, yeah, we got it. That's that's what you want. Okay. Very good. (laughs) That's awesome. It's amazing. And electricity, electricity is close to plasma. And when we get close to plasma, we're getting close to the, you know, kind of like the, what our mother is made of. And before she turned into the earth and she still has her plasmic um, self, you are, you're ready to close it. So let's, let's stop me now. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I'm trying to keep these at about an hour uh, just because I'm guessing if it's up to two that people will be less likely to listen. Maybe I could be wrong about, it. I mean, what's actually, what's your experience? You've been doing some longer shows. Do you notice a difference between uh, shorter and longer? It depends on, on, on the subject. I, I think an hour for this kind of talk is almost, is just about right. Okay. Um, it could be too much, but if it's, if it is too much, it's not too much, too much. Okay. All right. So I'll put links to John Lash's stuff for anyone who wants to learn about, uh, the guy in narrative and, uh, also links to your YouTube channel so people can check out your videos and, uh, maybe you watch, and uh, participate in your live feeds on Monday evenings. All are welcome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Radagast. Well, thank you, Callan. Mm.